You're listening to Riverview Church Conversations, a podcast for the spiritually curious. Welcome back, everyone, to the Riverview Conversations podcast. Hello. My name is Reese, and across from me is Brother Ryan Gagler. Hello, always. everybody. Nice to be back. And we've got a special guest today. Do you? A we- very special guest. Who is it? Well, you wanted the best. Well, we got pretty <laughs> flipping close. We have, for the first time, a guest host, and her name is Petrina Maduku. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Petrina. Riverview's okayest. Most <laughs> okayest podcast host. Okay-est. Now, normally we have like a guest during our conversation bit, but today, well, it's all a conversation bit, but today you are guest hosting with us. Hello. I know. So strange, but so good. Hello. Wow. Thank you for having me. That's all right. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with Petrina, Petrina's been part of our community for a long, 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 long time. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. What's what's uh, your vibe? How do you hello. spend your days? I am a mother of one, one very energetic child. Mm. Uh, also married to a lovely person. His name is Matthew. Uh, we have a gelato shop. You're the matriarch of a gelato <laughs> empire. Wow. Basically. And I also have a little side hustle photography business. Wow. That is me. You, love, you, love next it. time you come in, bring your camera and just take a few headshots of for our website. Yeah, we, we thought it was going to be valuable to, over time, introduce a, a guest host because I think it just gives us a little bit of additional variety. And it also means that we're not limited by just us two having to do everything, which is a blessing for us because it means we can finally go on leave <laughs> no, no, and do things like that. <laughs> <Yes>. But seriously. <laughs> Case in point being this chat, which I am unavailable for. I'm here for this bit, but I'm not here for the chat with our esteemed no, guest. That's no, right. He is not. That's right. It was Petrina's debut conversation. Yes, very good. Off with the fairies. Now, Pretty of much. course, <laughs> something we do every time, and Petrina, you'd be aware of it, is we we throw out a bit of an icebreaker question. <laughs> Just have a bit of fun to start off the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, now, today's conversation is is about cash and kingdom. It's about money, the church, um, and their relationship. Uh, but so I thought I would just start off by asking a bit of a fun question about money, and I'll start off with you, Reese. What is your biggest spending regret? Oh goodness me, where to start? <laughs> I might need some time to think about it. I'm trying to think of. Is this because you have so many or so Look, little? I've done a few DIY things where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know what I need. I'm going to go out to Bunnings and I'm going to get it, <laughs> and I buy that thing, and it's totally not the thing. But by that stage, I've either opened it or I've broken it. Yeah. So I can't return it. Yeah. So there's been buyer's remorse, endless. <laughs> wastages of money like that mm, yes yeah i was thinking about mine uh i when i was about 11 i saved up all my pocket money to buy lord of the rings monopoly wow which was you know wow. one, of the, one of the feature editions of monopoly <laughs> and of course if you know monopoly you know you're not going to play it every day if you land on <laughs> chance do you get second breakfast <laughs> I think Smeagol takes some of your money or something. Oh, no. Uh, but I remember saving up all this money and buying it and I played it once and then it just went in the cupboard. And there was so much like uh, shame around my purchase because I was so adamant <laughs> of buying it. And so I wanted to show my parents that I still loved it even though in my heart of so hearts. So what did you do? Did you just bring I it out knew- every family night? Yeah, I kind of tried to prove <laughs> that it was worth the money but – I deep down knew that I wasted. I do still have it. I still have it. 
Bring it in. Get one it of, one of the tokens is the ring. <gasps> wow. That's amazing. Petrina, biggest uh, <laughs> buyer's remorse. Okay. My buyer's remorse was on a trip we had. We went to Bali and Bali. I was like, yeah, I'll get some like skirts made there. Got them made. They were beautiful. I literally got home and I was like, this is not what I had made. Oh. Yeah. You were caught up in the the holiday vacation vibe. Yeah. Wow. Veil was over the eyes. The barley veil over the eyes. Now you see clearly. Now I see clearly and it was a trap. (laughs) Oh, a big, big trap. I've I've had a couple of suits made in uh, Asian nations and they've always been a little bit big. They come out bigger. Mm. Not quite as, maybe it's just Mm. me. Maybe I just, you know, maybe I didn't give the tailor the right directions. (laughs) I wanted a European fit. Whatever that means. Singapore fit, fit yes. <laughs> uh, now, of course, we are not going to be talking about this the whole time. We are today having a, a significant conversation. And honestly, this has been a conversation as well that we probably wanted to have for some time in just addressing the topic of money and finance. In fact, we actually had uh, one of our listeners, Shane, if you're listening, thanks for emailing us. He's been listening from Melbourne. And he actually sent us an email saying, hey, I'd love to kind of hear a conversation where we actually talk about money and its role um, in our lives, particularly as followers of Jesus. And so there's so much to talk about here. So we've simply kind of titled this Cash and Kingdom because there's a lot of overlaps. And and we've, as best as we can, we wanted to address multiple layers of this conversation. So how does money relate to our shared life together as the mm. church? Because man, there's lots of thoughts <laughs> about so that. But then there's also the personal side, right? Like how does how do we actually interact with our finances for ourselves? And so um, I actually found this conversation really helpful and really challenging um, in, a, in a good way um, because I obviously have lots of thoughts and perspectives on money and how it's been used and abused. And uh, But it kind of challenges me on the personal side because I actually have my own relationship to money and finance. So um, today we are joined by our friend of the show. Oh. And this is time number three he's joined us, which is amazing. Is that a record? I believe it is. He is our greatest friend of the show. (laughs) Best Uh, friend. (laughs) (laughs) The show's best friend, uh, Dr. Brian Harris, who is uh, director of Avenir Leadership Institute, which is all about developing uh, ethically sensitive leaders for a 21st century world. So he's doing some amazing work there. He's, of course, uh, also teaching at... Uh, the Vos campus of Morling College. And he's just an all-round good guy. He was Reese Mayshell's pastor for a period of time. And so he has some fun insights as well. No, he didn't share anything about you this time, but we didn't dig too much. We didn't dig too much. We should have. Anyway, (laughs) uh, enjoy this conversation that we had with Dr. Brian Harris. Well, Brian Harris, thank you so much for joining with us once more on the Conversations podcast. Welcome back. Thank you very much. And very good to be with you again. Now, we were just saying, this is the third time we've wow. had, we we really like Brian. And so he's, he's back again he's back. <laughs> to bring some wisdom. Um, now, Brian, something we, we do on the podcast is obviously ask just a bit of an icebreaker question to get the ball rolling. And today's sure. conversation is around money. Right. So I just want to ask you, what is your biggest, and you don't have to get too deep here. 
your your biggest regret when it came to money? Like a purchase you made maybe when you were younger that you look back and go, oh, that was such a waste of money. Do you oh, have anything that comes to mind? Oh, absolutely. So when I was a little kid, uh, I had been saving up for a scale electric uh, car set for ages and ages and ages. And I uh, came my birthday and got just enough money to, to kind of be able to afford one. And then there was some stupid little thing that came on, was advertised, like I think it was called Trick Track Car set Ooh. and it, it would cost all the money that I had and it just looked so exciting and so wonderful <laughs> and was a complete dud. I bought it and I never got my scale electric set and I had this stupid trick track car thing <laughs> that was no fun at all and I was furious. And then you had to live with that decision for the rest of your absolutely, life. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I think I learned a lot from it. Oh, it's good. Impulse buying because that was impulse buying and just very unhelpful. Look, I'm a serious impulse buyer. We, we don't have time on, to talk about that on. on today's show but I... I'm recovering, is all I'll say. <laughs> Good. Uh, now, Brian, we've, we've um, asked you to come on the show today and, and have a conversation with us regarding money, um, cash and kingdom, uh, what it looks like for us to be faithful to Jesus with our money, both in our shared life together as, as church and community, but also individually. And um, obviously, this is a massive topic, and it's mm. not actually one that I don't think we actually talk about mm. much in church. Yeah, we often... Sure. Talk about the practice of giving, mm. but not really about why why do we give um, sure. and some of the mm. deeper stuff behind that. So we wanted to kind of just open up the conversation today. Sure. And I wonder if you can kind of start off our conversation by just um, talking to us a little bit about like what why does God actually care about our money? I mean, Jesus rolls onto the scene over 2,000 years mm. ago and he, he actually seems to have quite a lot to say um, about the way that we approach money and money. Sure. So yeah. why does God even care about money in general. Sure. So so on the one hand, you can take the stance that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need our money and he can do all the work that he wants to do without our help. Thank you very much. And and that is completely true. But mm. the work that God is doing in the world is usually work that is in us as much as through us. Yeah. Uh, mm. And and work that is done in us is very significant. And, and, and the act of giving is always a significant act because yeah. it means that we are voluntarily giving away something that we've earned. Mm. It's it's often difficult to get. We often mm. feel we don't have enough of it. Uh, money and power are very closely linked. So it's not just about the things I can get. It's the power that mm. that, that money represents yeah. for me. And so for me to voluntarily give that up. And, and let's remember the church is this remarkably strange community. Mm. You, yeah. you, you don't actually pay to enter. You, you are strongly yeah. encouraged to give. You're strongly encouraged to give generously. Mm. But you know what? You don't get thrown out if you don't. Uh, mm. And usually they, they don't even have reserved seats. So you can give nothing <laughs> and have, you know, if you consider the front seats in the house the best, well, you can take the front row seats and give mm, not one yeah. little cent. Uh, you know, where else is it like that? So mm. uh, it, is a, it, it is a strange thing. And the fact that it's voluntarily uh, done does mean that somehow it looks to my heart. <clears throat> it looks in terms of what's happening inside of me, yeah. uh, and it is part of my discipleship in a very, very real way. Mm. Mm. Is um, I was thinking about this the other day. Like money, obviously, is a, a physical tool, but there is there something deeper at play when it comes to money? Like almost something spiritual about it? Because again, mm. I think for Jesus, good question. Uh, he he talks about it in. I mean, maybe it's to do with idolatry or things like mm. that. But I don't know why, but money seems to have a different kind of grip over us yeah, yeah. than just any other, you know, tool that we might use. Like, yeah. Is there something deeper going on when it comes to money? Not not saying that money is going to start 
Sure. T- talking to us yeah. or, you know, like, or maybe. Oh, hello, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 absolutely. Because um, money can open so many doors for us and therefore to trust in money is a very natural thing and most people do. Mm. Uh, so, so we trust in ourselves and we, we try to have bodies that are fit and strong and we try to be self-reliant. Mm. Uh, but to have control of our finances and to have enough money in the bank and to have you know, some, something spare in the bank means that I'm in control of my life. Now, now yeah. when I relinquish that or when I give away a significant part of that, I am giving away a lot of, of my own control. Mm. Uh, and to do that, therefore, takes a great deal of trust. And, and I think that part of spiritual maturity is very closely linked to our attitude to our possessions, be they financial possessions mm. or anything else that we have. So, so we possess our time and we call to give of our time. We possess our talents, but we call mm. to use them yeah. for other people. So it, it goes to the very heart of how we oriented as people, whether we are self-oriented or whether we actually have the outward look of ourselves as part of a community yeah. and how we bless others, uh, whether we view ourselves as, to, to, to use a more technical word, as stewards. Mm. Uh, so, so we're given something, but we will be asked to account for how we've been given, mm. how, how we've used it. Mm. And um, ultimately, these are actually very deep spiritual questions because they, they reflect my, my ability to trust God. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, if I give this away, will it be replaced? Do I actually yeah. know that? In the Old Testament, you're encouraged to give of the first fruits of your product. Mm. If you're a farmer, it takes quite a lot of yeah, lot of faith yeah. to give your first fruits as opposed to your last fruits. In other words, this is the first sign of the season. First Not fruits, the leftovers. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, exactly. Yeah. And what happens if there's a hailstorm the next day? So you yes. get the first what of your harvest in, and then it's a hailstorm <laughs> the next day, and you've got absolutely nothing. So, yeah. so, so, yes, it does take faith. It, it mm. says, you know, I'll actually keep on trusting God. God will provide, mm. uh, and that's not necessarily easy. Mm. Yeah, I think I think to myself of the the story that we see in Matthew's gospel of the I think it's known as the rich young ruler who comes mm. to Jesus and um you know has most of the stuff intellectually down and maybe even with some parts of his life in check but the one stumbling block for him is maybe like you were saying the control or yeah. the the money or the possessions yeah. and I think it says I'm not sure exactly but you know he went away kind of downcast because yeah. he had lots of things yeah yeah and so um, obviously it was of great cost to to lay that down yeah and and, and we really shouldn't be too judgmental of him so so mm. we quite often are you know there you go yeah. Jesus puts a challenge to him <laughs> give away everything that oh, you've got yeah. come yeah. follow me oh, he couldn't match it you know he's a bit of a wimp. no I beg your pardon uh, you know he had known the good things in life he had significant social status mm. Jesus says to him give all of that away risk everything, risk absolutely everything because this is where your identity lies mm, yeah. and the money and the position you have. That money's gone, that position is gone as well. So risk it all for me. Yeah, wow. uh, oh, it was a huge demand that Jesus was making, mm. but it was one that the young man should have taken up, uh, but we can understand why he didn't. Mm. It's the whole thing of being comfortable and yeah. not wanting to rock the boat in yeah. our own world and not, I guess, yeah, relinquishing any type of mm. control. Yep. And yeah. I think the challenge with that as well is it's the same question that really ultimately Jesus asks of each one of us, even yep. today, yep. when it comes to um, not just money or finance, yeah. but with, with every part of our lives mm. to actually yep. relinquish control and live under his authority. Mm. Yep. yep. Um, and and I, I would love for us to almost maybe just have a bit of a conversation around two, two parts of that. Um, one is to do with our shared life together mm-hmm. and our um, how we approach money in our shared life together. By that, I mean when it mm. comes to church and the 
the body that we're a part of that we bring together, you know, these first, first fruits or for most of us would be familiar with the language of tithes yeah. and offerings. Sure. Um, but then also the individual side of our lives where each of us have our own bank balance and sure. are stewards of the money that is there. Yep. So there's both a, a shared component of this and a, a kind of individual component to it. And so I'd love for us to kind of talk about both sides of them. Can yep. you, we were just reflecting in before we even began mm. recording about how weird this giving thing is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you maybe just speak to us a bit about... Voluntarily the, giving. Yeah, vol- yeah. like... The tithes and offerings thing, like obviously there's a lot of biblical perspective behind why we do that and, yep. and how maybe God has invited us in to belong to a community in which we give. Can you just explain some of that? Like why do we yeah. do that? Yeah, well, well, it is really strange. Um, and in some ways it's almost incomprehensible in a 21st century <laughs> world yeah. where it's a kind of a user pays mentality. So, mm. so we've got very used to, you know, if you want something, that's fine. You know, this is what it will cost you. Whereas mm. the church's model has always been, you know, here is here is the work of God. We invite you to participate in it. Mm. How's it going to be funded? People will voluntarily just yeah. give whatever they feel is appropriate. They're, mm. they're, they're rough guidelines. So mm. historically there's been the tithe and this, it's a controversial thing. One can debate about, <laughs> yeah. you know, what that should or shouldn't be. But but <laughs> but come what may, churches have usually said, you know, roughly this is this is the guide. But there's mm. no monitoring of that. There's no consequences yeah. for mm. people if they, they don't do that. And yet, you know what? So many people do. So yeah. many people do, mm. and so many things actually happen as a result. Mm. And it is part of it is part of our spiritual journey. I, I think um, let's let you, you spoke in terms of our individual, you know, bank mm. balances and the mm. fact that we have a communal life together. So I think that we should give to the the community of faith and and, and your local church. I think that's extraordinarily important. And and why do I think it's important? Because uh, money and power, there's a very strong link between those two. If you've got money, you've got power. You can buy all kinds of things. You can mm. buy all yeah. kinds of services. Yeah. All kinds of things come your way if you've got money, and they, they don't if you don't have money. So so when we give money away and we give it to a community, uh, we don't actually make the decision about how that gets used. I mean, we might yeah. participate mm. in our mm. local church. We might try mm. to influence decisions. That, that That's true. But ultimately, you, you know what sometimes happens? You give, you give your bucks to the church and they make a decision yeah. to use it for something that you don't even agree with. Mm. It's like, that's my money that's helping to pay for that. And I think that's a stupid project. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and you know what? That's actually not bad for us. It's part of humility. It's part of actually yeah. saying this wasn't my money to start with. This is yeah, actually well, God's mm, money. Mm. I've given it away. Yeah. And, and I must just back out of this mm. now. Uh, and, and, it, and there is a task of humility that, that goes mm. with that. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, however, I think that there is also a part that we should hold on to some of our money, but use it for a wider good. In mm. other words, I am a steward and I should say there's part of it that I relinquish the power to, mm. give it to the local church. And yeah, I do participate in the church, but how it gets used, that, that's up to the church, not mm. my decision mm. in the end. But then I'm also an individual and I and I might have particular things that God has laid in my heart and yeah. then I'm accountable for how I interact. And so, mm. so often our over and above giving goes into, into those kinds of director projects. But, mm. but always I think the goal should be how can I be someone who is so conscious of the fact that God mm. has blessed me that mm. I expect yeah. to have an overflow, that I yeah. expect that there actually will be something. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's something profoundly helpful that happens to us when we think like that. Even if we don't actually in real terms have many dollars, uh, the very act of giving something yeah, away yeah. just says, says you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a taker in life. I'm a giver to life. That, that's liberating. That, yeah. that, that helps us to, to be the, the image mm. of God people mm. that we're supposed to be. It's mm, good. Yeah. I feel like there's something that uh, a level of um, 
ownership that also comes when you you're actually giving um, yeah. and that image of being planted, you know, right. and having deep roots. I feel like giving in a weird way it just deepens those roots yeah. because yeah. if you're yeah. actually giving to something, yeah. you are far more invested. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. like you said, if you're frustrated about something, it means you're probably planted yeah. enough to be frustrated yeah. about that's, something. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, because I think for you to notice money being used somewhere or, you know, yeah. whatever means that you're actually planted enough to for yeah. it to matter to you, yeah. which mm-hmm. I actually think is a yeah. a weird gift in of itself when it comes to giving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it is. It actually says I have an identity. I have a place. I'm part of a community. Together mm. we're doing some things. I'm not the whole community. I'm just one voice. In it. Sometimes I'm a, I'm a minority mm. voice and it's okay to be a minority voice. Mm. Sometimes I don't get my way. Sometimes the best thing that happens to me is that I don't get my way. That, that, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> mm, it's a radical perspective yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, can we, you mentioned the, the tithes and offerings thing. Um, I think for most of us, if, if we've grown up in a church environment, we would be familiar with, you know, 10%. Yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, the first, first fruits, fruit. yeah, yeah, that kind of language. Yeah. Is that, obviously there's there's an element of our scriptures which would be considered um, old covenant and then Jesus yeah. shows up and, and in some ways reshapes a lot of that yeah. around yeah. himself yeah. and... Uh, for example, when it comes to things like fasting, Jesus doesn't talk about what you do. He yeah, just says, when, when you fast, right. do it like this. Or when you pray, do it yeah. like this. And I feel like giving is is the same. Yeah. Uh, are those kind of 10% guidelines, are they still helpful to to live by or should should yeah. that be something that we just need to consider for ourselves? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and that's a very fair question and it probably helps to go back to the origin of, of the tithe. So the, the tithe was, you know, if you were a Jewish person, Hebrew person, you gave 10% of your income to the temple, to the work of the temple. But let's remember that the temple was actually also the, the welfare state of its day. So, mm. so, so there's no welfare society. So, so it eventually, essentially was the tax system for the society, uh, 10% tax system for society. Most of us wouldn't mind a 10% tax rate. Yes. Thank, thank you very much. Oh, it would feel like, wow. <laughs> Oh, that's low. We have lots there. So, uh, so actually, they did an enormous amount with that. Uh, though there were other expectations in society. So, so for example, if you were a farmer, you 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 could take in your harvest, but you were not supposed to take everything that was there. You were supposed yeah. to leave something over mm. in the field, so that if you were poor, you could go into the field oh, afterwards wow. and, and oh, help wow. yourself to it. So, so mm. there, there's always been the sense that there must be something for those who are vulnerable. Mm. But yeah, that's how the temple funded its own ministry, but it funded social concern for society. Society at large. Mm. Uh, now, we live in a different kind of a day that we have the welfare state, we pay large amounts of money to, to the tax system. Mm. Uh, so how much should the 10% be? Pass, I don't know. Mm. Um, I know that in my own life, I've found it quite a helpful guide. I mean, Jesus does yeah. say say to the the scribes and the Pharisees, he, he laments their attitude. You know, you're so fixated on this that you yeah. even your your mint and your uh, everything that you grow, you go like, yeah, ten mint leaves, yeah. one mint leaf yeah. must go to the temple. <laughs> yeah, ten lemons, one must go to the temple. And, yeah. and you know, they'd be fanatical about it to get it absolutely right. And, and but the interesting thing is that when he speaks about that, he says, "This you should have done." while not neglecting the weightier matters of the law. Yeah. So, so he actually doesn't say you did the wrong thing in tithe. He just said, mm, says, no. says you're mistaken and paying so much attention to that. That's yeah. not the big deal. That's the little deal. Mm. Uh, the weightier matters of the law are, are love and justice and yeah. kindness and being able to trust in God. Mm. So, so I think 10% probably is a helpful guide, but I think it's mm. nothing 
more than that. And if I just speak personally, so uh, I'm not in my early 60s. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, I feel that I have enough money and, and mm. God has been very good and very, very gracious to me. Uh, I've been a pastor most of my life. Uh, when, when I was younger, when our kids had three children uh, and uh, life was very expensive, mm. <laughs> was it hard to tie then? Yes. Uh, so how did I do some aspects of that? Well, uh, you know, it, our finances were sufficiently tight for me to, in those days, say, okay, I wonder if it means before, after tax. I think yeah. it better mean after tax, 10% after tax, because if it's 10% yeah. before tax, I'm not sure mm. that I can manage it. You, you know, whereas now at a later stage in life, I'm like, seriously, I'm not actually worried in that, about yeah. that, that question. I'm actually trying to give a whole lot more mm. than that mm. because I'm, I'm fine. I'm actually fine. Yeah. Uh, but, mm. but that's about different stages in life. But for all that, I find it a useful guide and mm. I find it a good spiritual discipline. Mm. And and every now and then I did recognize, um, I mean, like most fathers, I was uh, I was more concerned about what I could give to my children mm. than, than what I could give to myself. And I used to sometimes feel, gosh, in giving this money, think of the holidays we could have with the children. Think of the yeah. things that I could give to them if I didn't actually give this. Mm. And, and for me, part of the spiritual discipline was just hearing God say, you can trust me for those things. Yeah. Yeah. Your kids yeah. will never suffer because of this because ultimately you can't outgive mm. God. Mm. And, and I think I would say that my, my life learning has been that you, you can't be more generous than God yeah. Yeah. and you can't outgive God. Yeah. But having said that, I'm, I'm not wanting to be legalistic. People's circumstances are, di- are different uh, and I totally accept that people's circumstances mm. are different. Mm. I feel like the classic you know, um, giving sermon that you hear is on the little woman who has the the widow with the The, copper coins. But I've heard it kind of said of that story that on either side of the interaction that happens in the temple, Jesus kind of curses the fig tree. And it's this symbolic moment in which um, there's so much frustration about what happens in the temple, not because a widow gave copper coins, but because there was a widow with two copper coins in when the first yeah. place. Yeah. it exactly. says that there was people who had these lavish gifts yeah. and were giving it. Um, could I don't even really know how to approach this question, but there's this picture that Jesus is almost painting us, which seems like a bit of a, in, in modern days, a bit of a, a leftist ideal, this yeah. social socialist society where we all almost like a communist society <laughs> yeah. to use the sure. bad word. Uh, where where we're actually supplying for one another and caring for yeah. one another in a, in a radical way. Can yeah. you just like speak mm. into that a little bit? Because when it comes to finances, that's just one side of it. Mm. But yeah. um, what are we actually called to be a part of in this shared life together sure. that we're meant to kind of bring our first fruits of? Yeah. So so I guess the thing that's changed from Jesus' day to our own day is not that there were rich and poor people because they've always been rich and poor mm. people. And Jesus himself says the, the, the poor will be with you always. But it's probably the differential between poor people and rich people today. Mm. So, so whereas in the past, a rich person might have 10 times the wealth of your average person. Mm. Today, a rich person might have 10,000 times or yeah. yeah, 10,000 yeah. times, 10,000 times the wealth of someone else. That, that isn't actually precedent in history. The, the extraordinary gaps mm. uh, between people that uh, hasn't actually been present historically. So rich and poor, yes, but relatively speaking, those gaps were mm. much narrower. They thought in communal terms and uh, even things, so, so, so like if you were Jewish and you loaned someone some money, uh, you could make some money from, you, you, strictly you weren't allowed to charge interest, but uh, there were ways around that. Mm. So, 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 so you've always found a way for business to be profitable in some way, but there was always an idea of 
things should be limited. And that's why, for example, they had this idea of the jubilee, where you, you know, in the ju- jubilee year, everything was returned to everyone. And and if it had been instituted properly, basically you you counted how many years to jubilee, and so you'd charge mm. a different price for something because it would be going back. But basically, what that was saying is no one must drop below a certain level, even if you give your land away, it will come back to you eventually, yeah. because otherwise the differential between people just gets so large. So so I think you you can say I don't think the Bible says everyone has to start in exactly the same place. Yeah. I don't think it says that. Mm. But I think that it does say enough is enough and yeah. some gaps are just beyond what is reasonable. Mm. And I think that we've allowed gaps to get beyond what is reasonable. Mm. Mm. So I feel like part of the assumption that often floats around is that um, the church cares more about your money than Jesus yeah. did. Yeah. And um, often there's perceptions of, and, and probably in some ways rightfully so because it has been abused and manipulated in the past. But can you just speak into that? Does the church yeah. care more about <laughs> your money than <laughs> yeah. Jesus did? Like, yeah. Well, I, I would say, um, you know, just as you probably, and when I say you, I mean yous or you people mm-hmm. who are listening to, 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 to this podcast, just as you individually probably worry about your money. Do I have enough? You know, what do I do if I lose mm-hmm. my job? What mm-hmm. happens if? Uh, so the church does collectively. You know, it has bills to pay. It's not yeah. it's no different. You know, you can't say, I'm a church. Thank you very yeah. much. You know, we don't have to pay our, our electricity bill or, yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah, business on the side as well of um, mm-hmm. serving the community. It, it, yeah. it is. And if you go to your bank and say, you know, I'm a church. No, I don't want to have to repay my mortgage. You know, don't expect yeah, the bank manager. Yeah, sure, that's absolutely fine. We'll I understand. <laughs> Could I give you some more? Thank you. I mean, it doesn't work like that. So, mm. so do churches worry about money? Yeah, should they trust God more? Like, like we as individuals should. Should yes, actually, churches should trust God more. Mm. And sometimes we, just as individuals, sometimes we prattle on about you know how desperate we are for money. Mm. Some individual churches prattle on too much about it, and it's mm. clear that they're getting too anxious about it, mm. and it's becoming too much. Other churches much more relaxed about it and able to trust God more easily. Um, I think that it's part of the maturity of a church to just be able to say, Mm. you know, Mm. we can, I mean, you, 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 part of discipleship is helping people to give, but there's a point at which you just say, relax. (laughs) You you know, this is God's work. We put out the challenge to people. We put it there. If they don't give, you know what? God still provides. Mm. God makes a way. We can trust God. Mm. And and churches need to learn that as much as individuals. Yeah, it's really good. What about, um, mm. for example, like for exa- if we're talking about like the 10%, um, what about people who give to other organizations or like Christian organizations mm. to other people and consider that as their 10%? Sure, sure. Mm. And, and again, I don't think we need to be legalistic about yeah, that. Yeah, um, uh, and I, I, I think it goes back to this power and control thing. Yeah. I certainly would be in favor of people always giving a reasonable amount to their local mm. church. Why? Because when I give there, I don't actually have control over it. Yeah. I'm actually yeah, well, just saying yeah. that goes there. And, and that's part of my spiritual discipline. So whereas when I pick and choose, I, yep, I mm. think that ministry is valid. I think that this parachurch organization or whatever it is is great. Yeah. I, I, mm. I think it's great to give to them. I, I, mm. I have no issues with that. But I am the power broker there, I basically choose which ones I'll give Mm. to and therefore I'm in control of the process. And I I think a lot of giving is actually 
part of the spiritual benefit of giving is actually voluntarily giving away power. I no longer have the power over this. I offer it back to God. There's a point in which I have to be responsible. Mm. So so frankly, if I think that the local church has been totally reckless and irresponsible, there is some point at which I just have to say enough is enough. Mm. So so, so I'm not wanting anything. You can push anything to (laughs) an extreme. (laughs) Let's understand that. If you do that, you make anything look ridiculous. I'm not Mm. saying that. But I'm just saying as a general rule rule of thumb, it's not bad to have at least a a reasonable part of what you're giving away outside of your power. That's a good spiritual discipline. But you are yeah. also accountable and God burdens you for some things that yeah. it's natural yes. that yeah. you want to be able to give to them yeah. as well. Yeah, and I think the reality of any, as you mentioned, any church is there is complexity around when it comes to spending and, mm. and value and, yeah. and a church just like any individual does need to make decisions on mm-hmm. how yeah. money gets used and, yep. and stewarding that well. Obviously mm. as well we're aware that um, that has been manipulated in the past at yep. times and you think yep. of things like the the indulgences, you know, um, sure. around the Protestant Reformation and things yeah. like that, where in some ways the gospel or the message in of itself was monetized to yeah. serve hmm. obviously a very distorted and maybe yeah. you'd even consider evil agenda. Yeah. And and in some ways that that still does happen around the place, yeah. you know, fund my jet private play. jet so I can <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, go Where's and preach the gospel. <laughs> or, yeah. Hey, I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't need we'll to pass jet, that up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I would want to make the, the point again, you know, I have said it, but just really underline it that local churches struggle to trust God as much as individuals yeah. do. Yeah. And and I think that it is about actually looking at a local church and saying, How much are you able to trust God? Mm. And you know, when we prattle on too much, when we pressurize, when we manipulate um, no, we're not trusting God. We're yeah. trusting mm. sales techniques. I guess our like the the local church is made up of individuals. So yeah, yeah. yep, that's very true. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and all those fears come to yeah. the fore collectively. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, before we kind of transition our conversation to talk about maybe more the the individual side of our approach to money yeah. um, and our own bank balances. Sure. Could you? I know for many years you were a pastor. Yeah. Could you maybe just shed some light on? Um, the, the nuance of being a pastor and being very aware that, you know, you, you're having to pay wages and you're having to pay for a building, yep. but also having to trust God in that, but then also having to bring things before the church and go, hey, this is where we're choosing to spend our money mm. or the money that you've given yep. and some of the tensions around. Can you just give us a bit of a snap, like an insight into what that's yeah. like? Yeah, it, it can be quite tense. Obviously, you're always wanting to employ more people. You see new opportunities. You see things that can be done. And um, so, so, so if you're a pastor, well, in fact, if you're a leader, any kind of a leader, you, you realize that there's a difference between problems that are to be solved and problems that are to be managed. Mm. Uh, so, so there's some things that it's a problem and you do something and it goes away and it's solved permanently. Um, and having enough money is not a problem to be solved. It's, mm. it's, it's an issue to be managed. So it's an ongoing tension. How do we fund this? And, and Realistically, I've seen churches work with different models. So, so in the very mm. first church I pastored, uh, they had a, had a model uh, which they believe was right, that basically at the end of each financial year, they literally cleared out their bank balance. They gave it away. And they basically said, you know, this is God's work. Uh, if God doesn't provide, we don't want to be involved because hmm. if God stops providing, wow. we don't, don't want to be involved in the, in the work. So the only thing they owned, they did own the church building and th- that church had a manse, you know, where we stayed. So those were the two fixed possessions which the church had. But otherwise, came the end of the financial year, everything got given away and a new year ran and 
that was hard managed and mm. uh, it was lovely in some ways and, 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 and that, that, that was great. <laughs> but if you had a, like a, a cash flow could be a problem. But the, the people did assume responsibility. It was amazing how much ownership there was because people were proud of that, proud in a good sense. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you, you know, mm. this is our place. We give generously. Yeah. We, we, we don't hoard things in the bank. It's God's money and I'll keep on giving. So yeah. so, so, so this is dynamic ongoing going work. Mm. Um I, th- I guess that I learned over time, though, that uh, if people aren't giving to the level that the ministries that, that you think should be there and should be funded can be funded, perhaps those aren't the ministries that God is laying on the heart of, of people. So so it doesn't all depend upon me as a pastor. Mm. But if basically people are not funding something, uh, that perhaps means there's not the heart for that, maybe yeah. it's not the right time for that. So a little bit hands-off, I think, is sometimes wise. Mm. Um and it, it is really a trust exercise if, if you're a pastor. You, you know, you look at what's coming and, and you, you say so. It, it is a reflection of the discipleship in, in, in the congregation. I, I have been surprised, though, at how, how generous some people can be, yeah. Yeah. how, how astonishingly generous some people yeah. can be. Mm. And sometimes people are, the tougher times are, the more generous people are. Uh, quite mm. remarkable. And I've mm. seen God provide in ways that I would never have expected. So I don't think uh, if you're in a pastoral journey in any local church, um, you know, I've, I've sometimes heard pastors say, you know, it wouldn't be wonderful if some just gifted us $50 million oh, and we never had to borrow. No, you know, this was a problem, problem solved. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> exactly then. How can I, in fact, have two jets and have three jets? Um, because, because it always works like that. But <clears throat> the ongoing need to trust God is not a bad job requirement. Mm. <laughs> you know, it, it really isn't a bad job requirement yeah. uh, and it is something that uh, is for everyone's spiritual good. Yeah, well, mm. It's a very much the daily bread thing, right? Oh, like yeah. I, I think even as an employee here yeah. at Riverview Church, like I'm, I'm very aware that I actually only have uh, money for my family because people are actually generously giving. Yeah. 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 But like you said, part of that is a, is a faith exercise in of itself yeah. that, you know, don't collect too much manna yeah. Today, because God's yeah. going to provide yeah. tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. and um, that is a, a real faith exercise yeah. for us to walk corporately as well as yeah. um, individually. And I don't think it will necessarily always be easy, no. but it's it's the calling that we're. Mm. Yeah. And, and as a pastor, what what is? I mean, this may sound silly, but what is the product that you sell? Yeah, the, I mean, mm. you're not selling product, but but you, you, I'm here for the nurture of your. I'm here for your spiritual well-being. I'm mm. here for your spiritual mm. growth. I'm here to try and feed you. I'm mm. trying to help you, you to become the person that, that God wants you to mm. be. Um, and I need to trust that in doing that, that that's a product that somehow will take root and yeah. will, will produce yeah. something. Yeah. But it's very different to, uh, you know, having a different kind of a product yeah. where I, in fact, have, mm. you know, all mm. these things that I sell and they're quite tangible and... Um, yeah. And I wonder if that often is is the thing that restricts people from giving because you know when we when we pay for something we like to see yeah, tangible returns. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the reality is for for all of my life so far in ministry, the returns is growth and maturity in people. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. you can't track that in the same. No. You know, like yeah. so. I feel like there's a lot of people that want to don't want to give because you know we're not doing enough social justice or we're not doing these like. Yeah you know, particular tangible things that, you yeah. know, there might be a specific agenda for in giving. Yeah. Whereas most of what happens in a local church is is the maturity of yeah. the body. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like that can be tricky because yeah. that often then means, well, well, I'm not seeing any yeah. difference. So I don't want to give if, you know, and that's just one of those intangible parts of God's kingdom, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet, 
And yet, so so where people are growing, I think they do tend to know that in some mm, way. Mm. And part of our growth is that we look at what we have and we feel less like we are the owners of it. Mm. And so we have <laughs> our hands are a little bit more open. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and part of spiritual growth is definitely looking at everything that we have. And money is only one part of it. Time is a very mm. important thing as well. Oh, yes. You know, what it, t- time is a huge possession, yeah. as it yeah. were. Maybe uh, we'll get you back to talk about time as well. <laughs> there, there, there you go. Next yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, can we transition then into talking a bit more about, I don't even like the term individualistic because I think there's always an element of mm. shared life in this, yeah. but maybe the more personal, personal side yeah. of money and um, the call that each and every one of us has to, I guess, use money as a tool to serve and further God's kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you just speak into that? Like what does it actually look like practically sure. for our lives? I know that's a massive conversation in of itself. What does that actually look like for us to do that with our money? Yeah. Well, I think for the first time, we probably are in an era where most of us have too much and we need mm. to recognize that whether we're Christian or not, we probably have too much because because the trouble with how much money we've got is that we're not consuming far too many of the world's resources mm. and our footprint mm. on the world's resources is just too large. So it's Absolutely. not just about using our money. I think we need to recognize mm. that this is in a broader yeah. context and we need to think, you know, am I being a, a responsible member of this planet with the yeah. way in which mm. I'm, yeah. I'm using this yeah. money? Uh, because I can, I've got so much of it, relatively speaking, that I can consume a completely disproportionate uh, amount of the world's resources. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, then it, I think all of us do need to actually try to decide about what's enough. Mm. Because the trajectory of most people's lives, not, not everyone's, I accept it's not everyone's, but most people's life is you progressively get a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And with getting a little bit more and a little bit more is that that we just expect to live at a slightly yeah. higher and higher yeah. and higher level. And mm. we consume a little bit more and we uh, trash the earth a little bit more. Yeah. And we don't do the good that we actually could do. So I think we need to think about that very carefully. And I think, you know, what, what I really advocate for people is I think through what does enough look like for you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. not, not, no, don't be miserly. Don't, mm. don't, don't be unrealistic. No, be willing to inflate that even 10%. Mm. But then, so this is enough. Give that 10% because that's just the way we wired. But mm. then say that really is enough after that. Mm. After that, I, I just give away. Mm. So, 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 so the great advocate of this was, of course, John, John Wesley, who, you know, in his ministry as the founder of the Methodist Church, he just got more and more money. His books sold really, really well. Uh, and believe it or not, people used to buy publications of sermons in those mm. days. And uh, <laughs> so he got actually really quite wealthy. And and he basically made the decision that he would, uh, he decided what the right lifestyle for him was, which was actually extremely modest. Certainly in today's terms, it was extremely modest. And basically he never took a cent beyond that. He gave everything about yeah, everything wow. beyond that away. And, and he came up with his famous saying, you know, earn all you can, earn all you can to save all you can to give all you can yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and somewhat that's is That's so said. challenging, isn't it? Well, well, well it is. It is. Yeah. It, uh, you know, to earn everything you've got, to save it, to give it. And, mm. and, and you know, mm. someone wittily said, well, most of us get two out of three on that one. You know, <laughs> yeah. we, we earn all we can, we save it, but we just don't get that stage of giving. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the challenge to actually do that. Mm. Yeah. It, it's interesting you say that because I was just thinking even <laughs> that idea of earning all you can almost seems like a really – a bad thing, sure. you know, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like right. with so, the, even oh. in, within church, we don't go and encourage people to earn all they can, mm. yeah. although that might be part of vocation for yeah. them. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, obviously the tendency and the tension there then lies on what you do with all that mm. you've earned. Yeah. 
But I actually think that's an amazing principle yeah. in of itself. It, it Earning's not bad. Yeah. But but I'm glad you pushed back on Wesley there because I mean, I mean you actually raised a very interesting dimension there that you know is Wesley right that we should earn all that we could, mm. uh, and he was a very driven person. I mean he achieved enormous things, mm. but. Uh, I mean, this is a fascinating little piece of history. You know, when the Methodist Church started, um, the, the average Methodist minister used to work somewhere between an 80 and a 90-hour week, and that, that was on the model of Wesley. So, I mean, we wow. talk about being too hard work. Yeah, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, so I had to work a 45-hour week or something. <laughs> well, 80 to 90 hours if you're a Methodist minister. Mm. But they found that actually the, the ministers were actually dropping out from just exhaustion. Yeah. And so they founded what was known as the Warnart Methodist Ministers Fund, <laughs> you know, which oh, wow. was a wonderful fund. Which made the Warnart Methodist Ministers Fund was for when ministers kind of dropped off their perch, so exhausted they they would be looked after and paid for for a period of time, but then they oh, go wow. back into working the eighty or ninety hour weeks wow. until they dropped off the perch Didn't again. And the Warnart Ministers yeah. Fund, fund wow. helped them. So, so, so the model hasn't necessarily been that great, to be honest. Mm. You know, you, I think that it can be a discipline to say. Why am I getting so much identity out of my work? Why mm. am I getting so much of my yeah. identity yeah. out of, of what yeah. I earn? Those are good questions. Yeah. Mm. So practically, uh, finances, I, I'm just thinking like, you know, for people who are listening and wanting to faithfully follow Jesus well, but part of the question is, well, well like how do I do that? What What's guiding my decision-making yeah. when it comes to making large purchases, when it comes mm. to... Um, the direction of my yeah. life and using yeah. my money to move in a certain direction. Mm. What, what would you? What would be just some advice or some thoughts you would give to people who mm. are kind of wanting to mm. faithfully follow Jesus with their finance, yeah. or like um, people who are, in, for example, like in business? Mm-hmm. Like, how do mm. they steward their business well enough yep. to be able to? I don't know. One day, like, um, give to the local church yep. or mm. yep. serve their community. Yeah. Yeah. I think that these things are best done in community. So so we tend to be very private about our finances. Not all mm. cultures in the world are private about finances. In some cultures in the world, it's the most normal thing that you go and you, you tell everyone what you earn and mm. they tell you whether they think <laughs> yeah. it's the right amount. I mean, it's just cultures are different. We're very secretive in our cultures. Mm. Like all that, you, you wouldn't tell people what your salary is unless mm. they're really, really close friends. So I wonder if we shouldn't be a little bit different in, amongst the people of God, be a little bit more open yeah. uh, and, and be willing to discuss. Now, now, that doesn't mean I give control of my life to other people, mm. but I think we should be less secretive about it and, yeah. and allow yeah. people to push back on us and to say, you know, we're thinking of doing this. And, and a lot of it is ultimately not about what you have, but about what you do with what you have. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so I've, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that through the years and communities I've been part of, there have been some wealthy people who have beautiful homes with lovely swimming pools, sometimes tennis courts or beautiful locations, and they've Jets. opened them. <laughs> I, I haven't had anyone's had a jet yet. I've got to say, I, that, that, that has been outside my realm of experience. But maybe one day, but, but, but not yet. Uh, but, but out of their beautiful homes and holiday homes, they have freely given those to others. Mm. Not given them. They've retained mm. ownership of them, but they've used them. For the, used for, it as a tool yeah. in of itself. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And you look and you say, well, you do have a lot, but my, you, you do a lot with yeah. it. And, yeah. and as opposed to other people, I'd say, well, you've got a lot and... That's all I can say about you. You've got a lot. Mm. You know, it's all for you. Yeah. And I'm not sure what you do with it, but it's all for you. And that just feels a bit distressing. Mm. Mm. I guess it all comes back to like condition of the heart and our attitude towards like what we have and yep. where yep. we're aligning ourselves to, I guess. Mm. Yep. I think it's even just trying to make conscious, um, intentional decisions. Mm. I feel like as I was even thinking about some of this conversation, I feel like mm. so much of it just came back to like intentionality right. mm. around right. what you're 
spending and the decisions you're making. I remember hearing someone, for example, um, almost on the accountability thing and the community thing, mm-hmm. was saying that they have a friend that um, once every three months they catch up with one another mm-hmm. and they go through one another's bank statements. Oh, wow. Right. And um, part of that is a practice they've been doing for many years to help one another just be accountable when yep. it comes to the finances. <laughs> yep. And so they've set it up so that they need to send a message or just get um, – Permit not permission, but they need to let one another know if they're making a purchase of over a thousand dollars. Oh wow! Just okay. to okay. have someone that they check in and bounce stuff off, just so that they're being faithful as they. And I hear stuff like that, and I'm like, that's that's incredible. That's crazy. I'm like, what are they going to see on mine? Oh, I've been to KFC. have coffee <laughs> to one too many times. And do you need to have seventy three <laughs> yeah. coffees a day? <laughs> but but I feel like that's that's also just a level of intentionality to go. Hey, I actually want this to be open enough mm. for yeah. someone to be able to speak into this because you're right. Like in our in our culture, yeah. money is this very, yeah, very private, hush, hush. very yeah. dark kind mm. of little hidden away yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 That maybe we're just not creating a huge amount of intentionality around well, you, opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Opportunity to actually just be like, this is where mm. I'm like, I don't know, if you're talking about money in a sense in a conversation with someone mm. and actually just being fully open about like, even if it's a part of your conversation about like, oh, mm. how are you going? How's your family? And it's kind of like almost a part of a conversation. I feel yeah, like. finance doesn't normally come yeah, it up, does yeah, it? It, it? It doesn't. It's, yeah. it's one of those kind of areas where we say it's we shouldn't talk about it but why? Yeah. The, 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 pe- the people got to talk about everything. If, yeah. Wouldn't it serve our communities yeah. better if we actually were open? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, well, yes, I think that it would. Though mm. at the same time, power and control is a very big thing. Mm. Mm. And, and I guess sometimes people are reluctant to because sometimes power has been misused. So, yeah. so if I tell you too many things, so, so yeah. if you think of the people you're talking about and I don't know them at all but, 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 but good for them, but if that gets abused and if somehow I recognise that this person is trying to, yeah. trying to control me for their own ends in some, yeah. Some, yeah, yeah, some, yeah. Some, some way, you know, they're trying to make me feel guilty because I spent $1,000 on a TV when they think that my present TV could have lasted another two years or whatever, mm. Mm. Uh, you yeah, maybe that isn't what I'm looking for, yeah. but it's mm. it's a genuine back and forth, and it's a genuine genuine curiosity, yes. Yes. and it's a genuine. So, mm. so, so I think we must be very much in favour of what I call curious conversations. Mm. I'm just mm. interested in something. I'm not I'm not telling you yeah. what you have to do, yeah, yeah. but I raise questions for you, and in the end, it's up to you what mm. you make yeah. of them. But I raise them. Yes, and, and I mm. think you know, like the idea of your pastor looking through your your bank account. Yeah. Yeah. If if you don't trust them enough to think that they're actually doing so for their own end or so that you give mm. more money, yeah. there probably is going to be that hesitation to mm. do it. Whereas if yeah. you genuinely think, well, this is actually a, way, a discipleship. Yeah. I mean, now I'm not suggesting that people <laughs> send in their bank balances to us. from now yeah. on. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's an element of, again, intentionality and accountability um, and opportunity for God's light to break through yeah. in an area that's normally quite hidden and, mm. and, and dark. I mean, you, you you raise an interesting question and let me make this as a comment. I think in an ideal world, if the church had never messed up quite as often as it had, mm. then, then I think that we that I would be more enthusiastically advocating for something like that. I would say, you know, you can trust us. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not what the story's been and, and mm. therefore we don't do that. Uh, the church has made so many mistakes in so many areas that, that mm. we have to, I think we do have to recognise we have to win the right again. We have to yeah. build up trust all over again. Yeah. Mm. So so actually I'm not, I don't want to see your bank balance. I'm, I want to give you, you guidelines, mm. uh, but I don't want to be in a position over you where you feel that I'm manip- manipulating you in mm. any way. I don't want I don't want that to happen because actually trust is probably the greatest thing that we need to build again. Mm. And if I'm, 
if, if you feel that I'm going to do something to you that's wrong in whatever way, yeah. mm. I'd rather just back away from it and just mm. say, there the broad principles are. I love you, I'll leave you. Mm. Uh, kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think on the end of intentionality, there's also other just life habits and decisions that we can all build in that would help with the, the faithfulness to Jesus yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I even think about things like, uh, budgets and, and stuff yeah. like that, which is really just intentional spending. Right. Mm. And that's something that Renee and I have really um, struggled with and won with and struggled with and then won with it. Right. And like, right. you know, we've had seasons where we've done really well at budgeting mm. and other seasons where it's been terrible. And, and I think of people like... Um, it's evolving. That Excel spreadsheet, it's evolving. <laughs> oh, it, changes, <laughs> it, it, it changes as you go. I think of people like... Um, the, the prophet of prophet, Dave Ramsey, um, <laughs> who talks about things like allocating every dollar or, mm. you know. Um, Giving every dollar a job. Be, yeah, being really intentional with money. And I was thinking even for Renee and I, when we were first about to get married, one of the things we talked a lot about is we don't want to be, we don't want to be a slave to our money. Yeah. But we want to actually allow our money to be in some ways a slave to Christ. Sure. Mm. And in order to do that, it both requires giving some away but also really intentionally budgeting. Mm. Because if Jesus says to us, hey, I want you to move to this place and go this place, we actually, we want to be able to say yes to that. Yeah. And so being able to say yes to that actually means that we need to be diligent enough to, because we we actually can't say yes to the will of God if we're not intentional and ready. Now, that doesn't mean that we just build up, you know, a hundred grand in the bank. <laughs> and so that at any time we can go and do whatever. Right. But I feel like there's an element of, of both. It's, it's mm. kind of a give and take thing yep. there of balancing how you are faithful both right now right. in mm. terms of giving, but right. also faithful uh, for the future and for yep. the decisions that you might need mm. to make. Yep. And I think that can often be a bit of a tension point because yeah. – you know, oh, well, I don't want to spend that much money on a house, but yet this house is going to be the place that I'm going to disciple my yeah. children in. Or, yeah. or yeah. And so I feel like, it, you know, often it's just don't spend money on anything, but that's no. not really a long-term. No. And, and and some of us are more attuned to making money and it depends mm. who we're making it for. Are we making mm. it for the kingdom or are we making mm. it for ourselves? Yeah. I think that the most fundamental thing is to say, ultimately for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, what, yeah. what, what I have is ultimately God's. Mm. Uh, I might be wired in such a way that I naturally make money. Some, some people are. And, and then if, if I give that back to God to be used for God, wonderful. Some of us are just not wired that way very well. It's okay. I don't think we need to feel perpetually guilty mm. about that. I think mm. it's, it's, it's we, we offer who we are. We bring who we are. Um, I think if we're obsessing about money, I think that that is a great mistake. Yeah. Uh, I think we do need to recognize that Jesus did say a lot about money. And pretty much every time he spoke about money, it was in the context of warning. Mm. So, 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 so people do say, you know, the Bible never says you can't be rich. That's mm. absolutely true. But it almost always when it talks about being rich, it says, ooh, this is going to be quite difficult. Mm. I hope you can manage that well. Mm. Do be careful. Yeah. And we have to ask why we so perpetually want to put ourselves in danger's way. Um, because it's basically what it's saying. You're putting mm. yourself in danger's way. You might be okay, but, you know, ask yourself why you want to put yourself there. Mm. Mm. Before we kind of maybe close our conversation, um, you know, the, the scriptures would almost warn us, as you mentioned, that the love of money mm. or this certain heart yeah. intention towards it yep. is is the root, root of, of all, all evil, evil. which yeah. is a pretty intense way of sure. talking about it. But I think what is getting um, 
prodded at there is is this heart of greed. Mm. Mm. Could you even just touch on some like almost like antidotes to greed? Um, mm. I mean, Jesus goes to the nth degree and just says, we'll give everything away. Yeah. Sure. But sure. maybe what are some of the things practically for anyone listening or even for us like yeah. that, that maybe we can do in our lives or in our hearts or in our minds to help actually kind of counter that that part yeah. in us that just wants more yeah. or abundance yeah. or yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's that's some of that antidote is to do practice the art of giving you know to mm. give a little bit when we don't necessarily want to to give up some things to to see the difference that something can have in someone else's life i do think that uh I mean, I can't speak for everyone who's listening to this podcast. Obviously, I can't speak. I don't know. Mm. But I imagine that most people who are listening, you know, would be classified as being in the top probably 25% of earners in the world. No, we probably don't think that we are. But certainly if if you live in Australia. Mm, Uh, Well, exactly. I mean, if if you live in Australia, (laughs) as, as we do, you're a very well. Yeah, I've heard yeah. it said if yeah. your if your car has a home for it called a garage. <laughs> exactly, oh. exactly. Oh. Yeah, you know how many humans yeah. don't have cars, exa- yeah. have, yeah. have homes, exactly. So so we are and and in comparison to kings in the past, we're still wealthy. I mean, I I have traveled further than than mm. Julius Caesar ever tra- tra- traveled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and true. and in much greater comfort. I mean, we have air conditioning company. We have <laughs> yeah. so many things, so many things. Mm. Um, and it comes at a cost to the planet. Mm. And sometimes it, it comes at a cost to our own soul. And we we should have the creativity to revision life in, in a way that can be a little simpler. And the purpose of our life shouldn't be to accumulate lots of things, uh, but to do a great deal of good with our lives. And if we do a lot of good because of money that we earn, wonderful. If it's not because of money we earn, but because we just relationally attune Mm. to lots of people, wonderful Mm. as well. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the conversation that we're able to have today. Um, Simply wanted to just take a moment to encourage you to actually practice what Brian was speaking about and uh, practice the art of generosity and of giving. And so honestly, I'd almost just encourage you, find a way to do that. If that is to, you know, not-for-profit organization, similar to some of the ones that Brian was talking about, give to them. Um, if maybe you don't actually give to your local church community, maybe Riverview's your local church community, I'd actually encourage you, practice that generosity and, and give. Um, you can do that with us by jumping on our website or find and invest in your local church. Find a way of doing that. Um, we'd also just love to encourage you just to keep digging um, deeper in the ways in which you can manage your finance personally well. There's so many good resources out there, so many great books, so many awesome podcasts on money. So just encourage you, if maybe you've never thought around the practical sides of managing your money, go and dig a little bit deeper. This conversation has just scratched the surface, but you have some extra stuff to chew on that way. Yes, indeed. Now, as always, if you'd like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up. The email address is podcast at riverviewchurch.com.au. And if you would like any additional information on Riverview Church, the service times, live stream, connect groups, whatever it is, riverviewchurch.com.au is the place you can find all that info. Now, Petrina, thank you for being with us today. No worries. You did a great job. Thank you. Do you have uh, any, any final words you'd like to bless the listeners with? I completely forgot the line. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Until next time. We should, we should leave this in. Yes. <laughs> until, Repeat after me. Until next time. Until next time. Keep having, having the conversations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. They'll probably never have me back. Give God a rain dance.